All right, we'll be in uh, Jeremiah 26. Jeremiah 26. How many of you like the snow? About, about three quarters. <laughs> I'm like Kim. If I can stay inside and look at it, it's great. Um, if I can get outside and accidentally fall down and it, it's not that great. So um, I was just curious. I don't know how I asked that question. See where you lie on the, the liking snow meter today. And I uh, hope you like it because it's coming from what they tell us. Uh, I've seen anywhere from no snow to 14 inches, depending on who you're reading. So good luck and uh, see what happens. This week, uh, see what comes through tonight. I know we had a few people, uh, um, Jeremiah's been without power, it came on a little bit and back off again. Um, the church, I think, was out uh, from what our neighbor Ray, he said it was out for a while the other day, but came back on. So I'm assuming if he was without power, we probably were too for a little bit. But uh, at the church, outside of that, it seems like most everybody's doing pretty good. And uh, But if something does happen this week, you get snowed in, and need someone to dig you out, or uh, power goes out and you need something to do, let us know. Thank you, everybody, by the way, for uh, jumping in on the, the message group, um, offering to help out with the Jeremiahs, and um, so thank you all for that as well. Uh, Jeremiah, speaking of Jeremiahs, Jeremiah 26. Um, I don't have any more pickup lines for you this afternoon, so uh, for my Valentine's gift to you is uh, we'll be dismissed in the next 20 minutes or so. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 26 uh, here. We're going to see a, um, another message. Really, it's the same message, but a repeat of the message. God's going to give the Jeremiah to the people, and then we're going to see their reaction to it uh, this time around. So starting in Jeremiah 26, um, just before we pray, we'll read the first two verses. The Bible says, In the beginning of the reign of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, came this word from the Lord, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Stand in the court of the Lord's house, and speak unto all the cities of Judah, which come to worship in the Lord's house, all the words that I command thee to speak unto them, diminish not a word. And then he goes into the, uh, the words that he wants Jeremiah to say, and we'll look at those in just a moment. But let's pray first. Lord, thank you for letting us be here this afternoon. And again, as we look to learn from the mistakes of others so we don't fall into those mistakes, Help us today to respond to your word the right way, the way that you intend for us to. So, Lord, help us to learn from this chapter, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So here we see the Lord comes to Jeremiah, and he gives him a command there in verse number 2. He says, stand in the court of the Lord's house. So he gives him a, an exact position of where he wants him to stand, where he wants him to present this message, where he wants... Uh, uh, the reason why is because people would be coming in uh, to worship, and so he says, I want you to stand right there in the court of the Lord's house so as they all come into worship, they hear these words. But I think a really important part of this command from God is at the end of verse number 2 where he says, diminish not a word. He says, I'm going to tell you what to say. You don't lighten it up any. Uh, you, don't, you don't change it to make it sound more appeasing. You don't change it to sound better, whatever it is. You just say what I tell you to say. And stick with that. And to me, it's such a reminder that when God gives us a message to share, for instance, when God gives us the commands of Scripture to share, it's not our job to make people, uh, to make it uh, um, tickle the ears, so to say. 
It's not our job to, make, to, to present uh, God's Word in a way that is appeasing to people. It's our job to, job to present God's Word. And I don't mean that we should go out of our way to make it unappealing, um, but uh, sometimes we get so caught up in the method of presenting the Bible that we don't just present the Bible. And you've seen it, as, as, and it's not new to, to today's society, but there has been this watering down of Scripture, this make, trying to make it sound more pleasant when it's talking about hell. Well, guess what? Hell isn't pleasant. And you're not going to be able to make hell sound pleasant because it is not pleasant. And it's just to present the facts, to present the truth, and don't take away from God's Word, don't add to God's Word. But here he says, here's the message I want you to have. Stand here and say what I'm telling you to say. Diminish not a word. Follow my instructions to the T. So he goes on, verse 3. If so be, they will hearken and turn every man from his evil way, that I may repent of thee of the evil which I propose to do unto them because of the evil of their doings. Important, important, important part, right? This is the message that he's been sharing with them. And he says, when you share this message to them, if they will hearken, right? We looked at this. We looked at this in several chapters. If they will hearken, then I will not do the things that I said I was going to do, which is destroy them, send them into captivity, all those sorts of things. And so he says, so if they will hearken, I will, it uses the term repent, but this, the turning of, away from this idea to this idea, uh, from there, because of everything I'm sending is because of their evil doings. So if they turn from that, then I will not do those things. Verse 4, If thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord, If ye will not hearken to me to walk in my law, which I have set before you, to hearken to the words of my servants, the prophets, whom I have sent unto you, both rising up early and sending them, but ye have not hearkened, then will I make this house like Shiloh, and will make this city a curse to all nations of the earth. So the priests and the prophets and all the people heard Jeremiah speaking these words in the house of the Lord. It's the same message, isn't it? Repent, and I won't do this damage that's coming, this punishment that's coming. If you don't repent, then guess what? It's, it's coming. It's going to happen. And it says that they haven't hearkened, and they listened. To, here it was again, and the message came again. And they all heard Jeremiah say this, it says in verse number 7. So then look in verse number 8. Now it came to pass, when Jeremiah had made an end of speaking, all the Lord had commanded him to speak unto all the people, that the priests and the prophets and all the people took him, saying, Thou shalt surely die. And we've talked about this in other chapters as well, but Jeremiah is just simply giving the message that God told him to give. And the response of the people were, We're going to kill you. Um, you remember as a kid, hopefully you don't say it as an adult anymore, but as a kid, um, using that slang phrase of, I'm going to kill you, uh, you never meant it. Uh, you know, somebody comes up while you're, uh, you know, 12, 13, 14, talking to uh, a, a young lady, and someone comes up and pinches you or pokes you or pushes you or slaps you in the head or throws something on you, and you just say, I'm going to kill you. Uh, right? You don't mean you're going to kill them, but you, you want to maybe, but you're not actually going to kill them. In this case, these people, they listened to Jeremiah talk, and he got done sharing the message of God, and they say, you're going to die. We're actually going to kill you because of these things that you said. Look in verse 9. We're going to see the people here, and it's, it's again, it's the same motives that we have today. They only cared, cared about themselves and their own desires, what they wanted. They could care less about what God wanted. They could care less about what Jeremiah was saying because it didn't make them happy. So verse 9, it says, Why hast thou prophesied in the name of the Lord, saying, 
This house shall be like Shiloh, and the city shall be desolate without inhabitant. And all the people were gathered against Jeremiah in the house of the Lord. He said, why in the world would you say this, Jeremiah? We know the answer, right? God told him to. Verse 10, when the princes of Judah heard these things, then they came up from the king's house into the house of the Lord and sat down in the entry of the new gate of the Lord's house. Then spake the priests and the prophets unto the princes and all the people, saying, This man is worthy to die, for he hath prophesied against this city, as ye have heard with your ears. Listen, this is, this is patriotism, right? He's saying that our city is going to be destroyed. We can't allow that. Let's kill him. Well, that's not what he said. What he said was, if you don't hearken to the Lord, the city's going to be destroyed. But if you do hearken to the Lord, the city won't be destroyed. But what did they hear? He's speaking against us, against our nation. Therefore, he must die. Verse 12, this is an amazing uh, uh, response by Jeremiah. Then spake Jeremiah unto all the princes and to all the people, saying, The Lord sent me to prophesy against this house and against this city all the words that ye have heard. Therefore now amend your ways and your doings and obey the voice of the Lord your God. And the Lord will repent him of this evil that he hath pronounced against you. As for me, behold, I am in your hand. Do with me as seemeth good and meet unto you. He comes right back to... And we don't see Jeremiah, uh, um, with the exception of, I think, one chapter, but we don't see Jeremiah saying, uh, you know, hey, why are you being so mean to me? Why are you, and he goes to God with that request, God, why are they being so mean to me? I'm just doing what you want me to do. But in this chapter and in this situation, Jeremiah stands before the people because they ask the question in verse 9, why hast thou, why hast thou prophesied this way? And he says, the Lord sent me. And he sent me to prophesy against this house and against this city. And he reminds them in verse 13, if you'll amend your ways and your doings and obey the voice of the Lord your God. It's not obey me, right? Again, we had that problem, we're the messenger. Sometimes we get that thing of, you need to listen to me, you need to listen to me, you need to listen to me. No, you need to listen to God. And he says, uh, he says uh, uh, obey the voice of the Lord your God, and the Lord will repent him of the evil that pronounces it. And then he goes on to say, I'm in your hands. You do with me what you think you should do with me. But if you listen to God, this terrible thing's not going to happen. If you don't listen to God, it is going to happen. And he says in verse 15, But know ye for certain, I love that terminology, Know ye for certain that if ye put me to death, ye shall surely, be, uh, surely being, uh, bring innocent blood upon yourselves and upon this city and upon the inhabitants thereof. For of a truth the Lord has sent me unto you to speak all these words. So he, says, uh, he says, here's the deal. If you kill me, you kill me. But know this, you're killing an innocent person. And that means the blood's going to be on your hands. You know, there are a lot of certainties that God gives us. And one of the certainties that he's giving to these people here is the fact that if you do right, you're going to be blessed. And if you do wrong, you're going to be punished. And, and Jeremiah, uh, James, James, Jeremiah adds to uh, this saying, and he just says, I'm innocent. My blood's going to be on your hands if you kill me, because I have simply done what God has told me to do, and so know for certain that you're doing the wrong thing. It wasn't spare my life. It wasn't, oh, please don't kill me. It was, hey, if you kill me, you better know something. You're just adding uh, to, to the punishment that's coming because I'm innocent. And 
I've only done what God's told me to do. Verse 16, Then said the princes and all the, and all the people unto the priests and to the prophets, This man is not worthy to die, for he has spoken to us in the name of the Lord our God. So you've got the princes and the people, you've got the priests and the prophets. Isn't that the biggest problem that religious leaders are always trying to cut out truth? And that's exactly what they're doing here. The princes and the people say, wait a second, this guy, all he's done is spoke uh, the words uh, of God. He's not worthy to die. This is the right decision, by the way. Verse 17, there rose up uh, elders, certain of the elders of the land, and spake to all the assembly of the people, saying, we're going to see two different people here. He says, uh, verse 18, Micah, uh, the Morazthite, prophesied in the days of Hezekiah, king of Judah, and spake to all the people of Judah, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Zion shall be plowed like a field, and Jerusalem shall become heaps, and the mountains of the house of the high places of a forest. Did Hezekiah, king of Judah, and all Judah uh, put him at all to death? Did he not fear the Lord, and besought the Lord, and the Lord repented him of the evil which he had pronounced against them? Thus might we procure great evil against our souls? So they're understanding, this is the, the, basically just saying what Jeremiah has already prophesied. If we do right, just as God in the past has repented of the destruction that he promised to someone because they repented, doesn't, couldn't that happen here? Verse 20, And there was also a man that prophesied in the name of the Lord, Uriah, the son of Shemaiah of Kerjathjerim, I said that wrong, who prophesied against the city of, uh, and against this land according to all the words of Jeremiah. And when Jehoiakim, the king, with all his mighty men and all the princes, heard this word, the king sought to put him to death. But when Uriah heard it, he was afraid and he fled and went into Egypt. So you're seeing here two testimonies, right? Uriah, scared out of his wits, took off running. Jeremiah, standing his ground. Do with me what you will. I'm just giving you the message of the Lord. Verse 22, And Jehoiakim, the king, sent men into Egypt, namely Elnathan and the son of Achbar, Achbor and the certain men with him into Egypt, and they fetched forth Uriah out of Egypt and brought him unto Jehoiakim the king, who slew him with the sword and cast his dead body into the graves of the common people. Nevertheless, the hand of Ahiakim, the son of Shaphan, was with Jeremiah, that they should not give him into the hand of the people to put him to death. Here really his testimony of fearing God and not man uh, benefited Jeremiah greatly, at least physically. Right? He said, there's two examples they give here. You've got Hezekiah, uh, not Hezekiah, verse uh, Micah, who stayed and presented his message, and the king uh, repented, and the people repented, and God didn't do the evil that he had said he was going to do. Then you've got Uriah, who presented the message. They said, we should kill him. He took off running. They ended up killing him, catching him, and killing him anyways. And so you've got these people here in verse 24, uh, the hand of Ahikam, uh, the son of Shaphan. He was with Jeremiah, and he said we should not put him to death. It's really his testimony of just doing what God told him to do, having faith that God was going to take care of him. It's the, the ability to stand in the place that God tells you to stand, to say what God tells you to say it to the people whom God tells you to say it to, and then just trusting him with the rest. I've said this before, so it's not new. There may come a day, I don't know that it will happen in our lifetime, there may come a day that in America they'll say, you're not allowed to do this, you're not allowed to stand behind a pulpit and preach the Bible. Uh, the question is, is what are we going to do then? Uh, and I'm not saying you should just be stupid, but I, you know, I mean, 
in China, they say you can't stand behind a pulpit and preach, but what do the Chinese Christians do? It's not to say that they're standing out in the streets preaching, but they are standing and preaching. And you know, we as Americans are spoiled with the fact that we've never really been uh, put our feet to the fire when it comes to um, Christianity, when it comes to following God. And there may come a day that we have to do that in America. Maybe not. I don't know. It doesn't change the fact that God tells you to say something, and he tells you to say it to a certain person, that you are responsible to do just that. We talk about love and the way the world defines love and the way that the Bible defines love. And the fact is, is if you have someone that you love and they're doing something that's wicked, that's evil, that's wrong, it's your responsibility as someone who loves them to go and try to help them or at least let them know, hey, this isn't right. You shouldn't be doing this. You say, well, you need to mind your own business. Well, no, there's a, there is a wrong way to go about doing it, obviously. But there's also a right way to go about doing it. And to let someone to continue their life uh, wickedly and wrongly and do nothing to try to help, that's on us. It's on nobody else. If God tells us to go stand and share a message and we share the message and, and there's some uh, um, hatred that comes back at us and we go run and hide, that's not what we're supposed to do. Again, it's not to say that you stand out there with no protection and you say, uh, you know, whatever, God's going to protect me. Now, you can still be smart about it, and maybe if God tells you to do that, then by all means do it. But you see what I'm saying? God says, go. God says, share. And that's our job. And when we do that, we can stand confidently knowing that whatever happens to us, happens to us by God's control, and that we can stand there and just have faith that God knows what's best for us, and God's going to do what's best for us. And sometimes, and I know this sounds dark, but sometimes the best thing for us is to go home to heaven. And thankfully, we're not dealing with that right now as far as persecution and stuff goes. But there is a time that you stand there and, and we can use the term, you're martyred for Christ. You know what? God knows what's best for you. And if that's, that's what's best for you, so be it. In America, we're not dealing with that right now. And so why are we running and hiding? <laughs> We're not, we're not at uh, risk of being killed for our beliefs at the moment in America, generally speaking, and yet still we run and hide and we don't talk to anybody and we don't say anything. You know, we should be confident like Jeremiah, stand in the place that God tells us to stand, which by the way, there's a few places that everyone is supposed to stand. In their home, you better be standing for God. And I believe in your workplace. You better be standing for God. And that, you know, you can talk community and all that kind of stuff, but the workplace is your community. And I'm not saying that you need to get yourself fired because all you're doing is preaching to people, right? There is a conversation that can be had depending on your work situation. There's conversations that can be had. There is an opportunities there with your workplace and things like that. But I think if we will take the time and the energy and the boldness to stand in our home and our workplace, we're going to see a, a reaction happen for God within our community and it's going to spread like wildfire because the Bible teaches us that's exactly what happens. Is we reach someone faithfully, boldly, they reach someone uh, eventually. And it begins working through like that. But it starts with us standing and saying what God told, told us to say where God told us to say it. And I guarantee you God wants you to share the gospel within your home and within your daily workplace, wherever that may be. Some people, that's still the home. Uh, but hey, guess what? You're responsible for your home. Uh, so share the gospel where you are, where God has placed you, and then don't have fear. Um, have faith.
We hear that a lot, right? Uh, it is the truth. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for Jeremiah and his faithfulness. And uh, Lord, where we can see that uh, along with, uh, more importantly than his faithfulness is your faithfulness and your faithfulness to forgive and to restore, Lord, the opportunity that you give us when we're doing wrong to get right. And God, I pray that you'd help us first and foremost to be right with you. Uh, and then, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to stand in the place that you've put us and to speak the message that you've given us that we'd be faithful to do just that. So, Lord, we ask for your help. We do ask this week that you keep us safe and provide for us uh, with whatever weather comes our way. Lord, we love you and we thank you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we will see you in some way, shape, or form on Wednesday at 7 o'clock. We'll keep you updated. Men's prayer breakfast, 8.30 on Saturday. 8.30 on Saturday. Uh, men's prayer breakfast. I think Jason or Renee or someone's cooking from the Cornelison household uh, uh, bringing food in. So 8.30 on Saturday. Um, and uh, come casual, especially if we've got snow, um, if you're willing to stick around and help with anything. I don't know that what it'll be like on Saturday. It might not be a problem at all, but nonetheless, we're looking forward to it. We had a great time the first time. Um, we eat, we fellowship, we spend just a couple minutes uh, in a quick devotional, and then we uh, head home. So if you can come, we'd love to have you men uh, uh, as well. All right, Lord bless you. Thank you all so much for being here today. If you need anything, please do let us know. Let's go ahead and be dismissed.